Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 145, and today we are talking about books being released on February 13th, 2018, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well redhead, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello. Hi. This time last week, we were hanging out in person. I know. I wish we could do that more. I know. It would be so nice. We would get less work done, but we would have more fun, which I would be, I'm okay with that balance. (laughs) You had a piece of pizza that was the size of your head. I did. It was enormous. There's this, if you are in or near Portland, Maine, there's an amazing place called Slab that makes a piece of pizza that they call a hand slab where each piece weighs a pound. It was crazy. I had three meals off of that piece of pizza. (laughs) Like We had lunch and then we had leftover pizza for dinner and I snacked on it, I think at breakfast the next day. I had some delicious hummus thing, which is not Cersei, but it's something close to that. What was it called? Chechi. It was Chechi. Cersei is from Game of Thrones, but that's fine. I was close. (laughs) Yours looked so pretty. They had lots of vegan options there. Yeah, it was really good. So, so books. We, we, oh, we, yeah, I was say we mostly talked about things that weren't books at lunch. So now we're just back on our game. Yeah, yeah. But before we talk about books, I have to say one thing because I messed this up last week. Um, we, the Book Riot Insider Slack, we had our ATB chat, and mm-hmm. I gave a trivia question, and I said I would do a shout out to whoever got the answer right first. Oh, <laughs> and I wrote her name down on my little whiteboard that I just bought, which then fell down behind my desk. So <laughs> I completely found it like three days later after I recorded last week's episode. So I just want to apologize and say hello to Liz Lucero in San Francisco. She correctly answered. Uh, what was the question? Oh, yeah. How many books did Rebecca read on her vacation? Which was, like, tricky because it was 3.5. So Right. Hi, Liz. Good job. Yes. So I'm sorry about last week and hello again. Um, and now I'm going to talk about books. Let's do for, it. For real. Um, my ready. first pick is called White Houses by Amy Bloom, who I love so much. Her book Lucky Us was my favorite book of 2015. Just so, so great. And this is a fictionalization of a real person. It's a book about Lorena Hickok, who was a star female reporter in the boys' club, like in the beginning of the 20th century. There were not a lot of women reporters, and she was really good at her job. Um, she grew up very poor in South Dakota, like really horrible, terrible childhood. Um, her mother died when she was young. Her dad like gave one of the kids away and like put her into service, like cleaning houses, and she ran away. Um, and she rebuilt her life. She became a star reporter. She worked for the Associated Press. She covered the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. And in 1932, she was asked to cover uh, FDR's uh, first presidential campaign. 
I was like, what are those initials? I can't read them. I was like, who's for? Um, she was asked to cover FDR's uh, first presidential campaign, and that is where she met and fell in love with Eleanor Roosevelt and became her not-so-secret girlfriend. Um, and and Eleanor moved uh, Lorena into the White House. Actually, they called her Hick um, for Hickox. So they, she moved Hick into the White House. They had a door between their rooms, and they became best friends and lovers. And FDR, at this time, he had several mistresses, uh, including his secretary. Um, Eleanor's relationship with Hick and as well as FDR's romances were, were like an open secret. Like everybody knew about them. Um, and so she was Eleanor's companion for a long time. And she left her job as a reporter because there was sort of a conflict of interest. Like she had to report on the people that she was living with and she didn't want to do that. Uh, and Eleanor was the love of her life, and, and she was just this extraordinary woman. Um, and, and Amy Bloom does this amazing job, like, bringing her to life. I love the character of Hick. I'm sure, you know, I, obviously I, don't, I never met her. We don't know her, but um, I just, I love her so much. She's such a great character. Uh, there is, a, I want to give a trigger warning, uh, Lorena herself, Hick, uh, she is a very straight shooter, like, the, the narrative in the way she talks, and she also discusses her sexual assault as a child, like, very straightforward, um, so be, watch out for that, but it's just, it's so beautiful, and it's so amazing to think, like, they had this relationship that, you know, people didn't talk about, but, like, sort of knew about, but, like, if his, you know, um, rivals had, had found out about it, it would have been a big deal, but they just were, like, you know, bosom buddies to everyone else, so... It's just so beautiful and great. Again, it's called White Houses, and it's by Amy Bloom. I've had my eye on that for so long. I'm oh, so glad so you loved it. It's so good. All right. My first pick this week, also kind of about women's relationships, is The Lost Girls of Camp Forevermore by Kim Fu. This is so awesome. Oh, so uh, good. I know. It's great. I read it in one sitting uh, on vacation last month. It's about a group of girls who are, they're like pre-adolescent, sort of late childhood. They're at Camp Forevermore, their summer camp. And the big culminating experience of the summer is that you go on a kayak trip away from the camp to one of the little islands nearby. And each group gets sent to like a different island or a different part of the island where they will set up camp and spend the night, the girls and one counselor, and then, you know, pack back up and come back the next day. And it's supposed to be kind of a putting together all of the skills that you learn at camp, survival, independence situation. So the girls in this group, though, in this one group, um, have a counselor who has a different plan and what happens to them that night changes the course of their lives. Um, I don't want to spoil it and say what the thing is that happens that night. Um, so you get the setup at the beginning of the book, but then the rest of the book moves from one girl to the next later in her life. And so we see the women that they become and how that early experience shaped them. And in some cases didn't shape them. Um, it's kind of an interesting exploration of like, how powerful are these childhood experiences that we have? Um, do they necessarily determine the kind of adults that we become and what it's like to have a memory that is traumatic in the way that this memory is traumatic. Um, I don't think any trigger warnings are necessary here. There's not like, ab there's not abuse or trauma really on the page, um, that occurs. So if you were worried about that, don't worry. Um, 
but definitely like a stressful survival situation. And these girls find some things within themselves that they didn't know were there. Some of those are good things, you know, strength and determination. And some of them are kind of Lord of the Flies moments of seeing um, an uglier, but like very powerful primal instinct in yourself and how they carry those in, in the years that follow. It's put together so well so that as you're getting to know like the, the chapter on this woman, the chapter on this next woman, the story about what happened that night gradually unfolds as well. It's just so, it's so beautifully done. It's well-written and thoughtful. And um, each voice of the different characters is so present and distinct. I just really, really loved it. I would read another book exactly like it if I could. It's The Lost Girls of Camp Forevermore by Kim Fu. I just, I love this book so much. I love how she chose to have one of the girl's sisters narrate one of the Mm -hmm. chapters instead of, like, the girl herself. Um, You know that I let you have whatever you want, but I did begrudgingly (laughs) give up this title. I was like, oh, she wants that one. Okay, but definitely one of my favorites of the year. Yeah, I've been trying to think about, like, what read-alikes might be for it, and I can't really get anywhere. Um, no. There, you know, I think The Interestings is a great book about people who meet at camp, but it's like, it's nothing like this. Um, I haven't found any other books that sort of do this same thing. So um, singular. Oh, Millie's here and she says hello. <laughs> Hi, Millie. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really singular and, and wonderful. Um, would you like to hear about our first sponsor this week? Yes, please. All right. Our good friends at Libby are back. If you are not familiar with it, Libby is the one-tap reading app from Overdrive. So if you are using your public library for eBooks and audiobooks, you definitely want to check out Libby, or if you're interested in using the library for eBooks and audiobooks. So as I said, it's a one-tap reading app from your library. It's powered by Overdrive. Downloading Libby to your smartphone allows you to borrow thousands of eBooks and audiobooks for free anytime and anywhere. So just like in your library, you'll find library books in all genres, ranging from bestsellers, classics, nonfiction, comics, you name it, they've got it. Libby works on Apple and Android devices, and it's compatible with a Kindle. All you need is a library card, but you can sample any book in the library collection without one. In select locations, Libby will even get your library card for you instantly. You can learn more at meet.libbyapp.com. Happy reading. So my next book is nonfiction. I have been making a concerted effort to read more nonfiction, and I have been succeeding. Uh, My next pick is called The World Only Spins Forward, The Ascent of Angels in America by Isaac Butler and Dan Coyce. It is an oral history of Angels in America, which is the Pulitzer Prize winning play by Tony Kushner. Um, This year is the 25th anniversary of its premiere on Broadway, and it started out in San Francisco, uh, made its way to Broadway, Um, In 2003, HBO made an adaptation of it that had Meryl Streep and Emma Thompson and Al Pacino. It won like a million awards, like 11 Emmys or something. Um, And it's headed back to Broadway this year, I believe. And so this is an oral history of the play. They talk to, there's like 250 interviews. Um, They talk to the actors, the directors, uh, the crew, and Tony Kushner himself about not only how this play had an effect on their own lives, but how this beautiful story about the AIDS crisis was born from the Reagan years, like how it came out of the 80s. Because it 
was it started in 1993, um, and it's like about how it was received back then. I mean, 1993 was a long time ago now, <laughs> and even though it feels like just yesterday, yeah, it's still like if you ask me like what was last decade, I still think oh the 90s, and we're not even close, you know. And it's it's you know it's so it's like about how it was received, and not to mention how hard it was to get it to the stage. There were a lot of roadblocks uh, keeping it from from being performed, and it finally made it. You know, they talked to Meryl Streep, they talked to Nathan Lane, um, Mary Louise Parker, Jeffrey Wright, who is, like, my new favorite person now because I've been watching Westworld. Um, And it's just, it's really great and interesting if you love the theater, you know, or if you love this play, or if you just love to read, you know, about, you know, art. uh, Check it out. It's called The World Only Spins Forward, The Ascent of Angels in America. I remember reading that in high school when it had already been out for several years and just having my mind blown by it. I can't believe it's been that long. (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't think it was really available in high school when I was in high school, so (laughs) there you go. Uh, All right, my next pick this week is also nonfiction. It's Enlightenment Now, The Case for Reason, Science, Humanism, and Progress by Steven Pinker. This is a big book. I am not all the way through it yet, but I feel confident giving it my endorsement. And I'm not alone because Bill Gates said that it's his new favorite book of all time. So I'm in good company. Uh, Steven Pinker is an intellectual. He's a cognitive scientist, and you all know that I love that. Um, So this book is about the big question of, like, are things really falling apart? Is the world actually a garbage fire? Um, Or is the ideal of progress and the notion of being a a liberal or a progressive obsolete? Um, And Pinker is like, you know, ignore the headlines, put away Fox News, um, and ignore basically all, let's ignore all the things that like play into our psychological biases and the narratives that we tell ourselves and the narratives that we're being sold. But instead, let's look at the data. And the book pulls together, I think it's more than 70 graphs that show that health and safety and peace and knowledge and happiness are actually on the rise. And it's not just in the West, but overall worldwide. So this isn't to say that these things are all on the rise in every place, but on the average, they are going up worldwide. And it's not the result, he argues, of like magic or some cosmic force. This is a logical consequence and outcome of the enlightenment, of the move in intellectual thought to believing that reason and science can enhance human life, or he says enhance human flourishing. And so basically the book is like, hey, we had the enlightenment and the enlightenment worked and it is still working. But that doesn't mean that we should just stop caring. Actually, right now, what it means is that we need to hold on to these principles and vigorously and full-throatedly defend them because the enlightenment swims against, I'm like, this is a great sentence from the um, publisher synopsis, so I'm stealing it. The enlightenment swims against currents of human nature, tribalism, authoritarianism, demonization, magical thinking which demagogues are all too willing to exploit and commentators fight a rear guard against it, which results in willingness to wreck these institutions of democracy and of global cooperation. So we need to hold on to not just the idea that progress is happening, um, that we're not already doomed, but to defend the tools of reason and of science that have allowed us to progress and that have allowed 
humanity to move up into this place. Um, it is, as you would expect from a big book by Steven Pinker, it is thinky. It's fascinating. The graphs are really, really compelling. Um, I love a data-driven argument. Certainly not perfect. You know, you can fit data to most things, um, but I'm really finding a lot to chew on in it. Again, it's called Enlightenment Now, The Case for Reason, Science, Humanism, and Progress by Steven Pinker. Speaking of progress and keeping the nonfiction book train rolling. Hey, hey. Did those words work? Yes. My next pick is not only nonfiction, but it's young adult nonfiction, which is very exciting because I'm always complaining there isn't enough of it. Uh, It's Votes for Women, American Suffragists and the Battle for the Ballot by Winifred Conkling, which is the most glorious name for someone writing about suffragists I think you could possibly have. What a fantastic name. I'm I'm in love with this woman's name. Uh, (laughs) It is about how... The 19th Amendment was ratified on August 18th, 1920. So speaking of, you know, things that aren't that long ago, it was only 98 years ago that women were allowed to vote, which means that people who are alive today were raised by people who didn't think women should be allowed to vote, which is kind of crazy. And then if you think about it, not crazy at all. Um, (laughs) But it's, you know, I said it's a young adult nonfiction, but it's very comprehensive you know, um, and the idea that women should be allowed to vote was submitted back in 1878. So it took 42 years, because 42 is the answer for everything, obviously. Um, 42 years before women were allowed to vote. And she discusses famous suffragists like Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, Sojourner Truth, Alice Paul, and Victoria Woodhull, who was the first woman to run for president back in 1872. Um, and it's just it's just crazy to think about how it is just under a century that women have been allowed to vote. Like, we're in the 21st century now, and it's just it's so insane to me. Um, this is a great book for young women who are interested in history, or just a great book for young women in general, or anyone who wants to have a refresher about this chapter in American history, or learn more about this chapter in American history. It is very, very thorough and very interesting and great. Again, it's called Votes for Women, American Suffragists and the Battle for the Ballot by Winifred Conkling, which is such a great name. Winifred Conkling. I love it. I'm so in love with it. Um, So speaking of things I'm in love with. Yes. Third Love is back. Awesome. Yes. When it comes to bra shopping, it's all about finding the right fit for you. And there's only one lingerie brand that offers bras in sizes AA through G, and that is Third Love. Third Love uses thousands of real women's measurements and super smoothing memory foam to create bras that fit and feel great. And while most old school bra brands, I almost said bands, which works too, but... (laughs) It's a tongue twister. Yeah. Well, most old school bra brands only carry 15 sizes. Third Love offers 60 sizes, including their half cup size, which no one else does. And Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering listeners 15% off your first order. So to find the bra that you have been waiting for, all you have to do is answer a few simple questions from Third Love's Fit Finder quiz. It only takes 60 seconds and you can do it from home. And you don't have to, like, go to a fitting room and have, like, a really awkward experience and have, you know, like we say, get called sweetie and all that stuff. Um, You just try the Fit Finder and you get to check out a third love bra and it's 15% off right now. And if you don't agree with it, returns and exchanges are easy and free. So go to thirdlove.com slash books to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash books. And I was, it was, this morning I was like, I need to get a new third love bra. And boom, here they are. Because, Perfect. yeah. I've been do I've been exercising, which I Ooh. do sporadically, like once every five years or something. <laughs> like, 
Like, I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start exercising again. Like, I literally have an old Fitbit duct tape to my arm because the band broke. <laughs> so, actually, while you were talking earlier, I went to push my hair back and I got my hair caught in my duct tape. Um, it's literally duct taped to my arm because I'm waiting for a new one to come because the band wipes ripped. So, like, I've been working out and I hate sports bras. I have never been able to find a sports bra that works right for me at all. Like, I hate them. So, what I do is I wear regular bras and then I wear, like, two really, really tight tight t-shirts to like hold it because you know I mean only the only the Hoover Dam can sympathize with what I'm holding back um, but like I ha- like I have to because otherwise it's like a lava lamp in there so I have to get a new third love bra so I can use my older one for my exercise bra because gross like nobody wants that so anyways this is so like, basically this is a plea for third love to make sports bras <laughs> yes and a big overshare <laughs> The DIY sports bra is not a thing I was expecting on today's show. Yeah, it works. It works really well. Like, nothing's moving. You know, like, you get, like, a kid-sized shirt, and I put it on. I'm not going on public in that anytime soon, but, you know. But everything's in place. Yeah, really tight. (laughs) All right. Well, let's move along before I'm completely broken. Um, uh, My next pick this week is not a new book, but it's a book that was new to me when I was browsing at our friend Josh and Emily's bookstore, Print in Portland, Maine, which is now, like, the go-to bookstore for the hosts of all the books. Yeah. Um, it's good to have a friend who owns a bookstore, I have to tell you. Um, and I was telling Josh while I was shopping that I was in the mood for some food writing and that not much had ever scratched the itch that Ruth Reichel like, first gave me for food writing. And he's like, how about some poetry? So I picked up The Hungry Ear, Poems of Food and Drink, which is edited by Kevin Young. Um, he is a renowned poet. He also had a great book out earlier this year called Bunk. Um, that's about basically like fake news and hoaxes. That was fascinating. Um, but he has edited edited this collection of poems about food and eating and cooking that go to, you know, all of the, th- all of the ways that food plays into our lives. It's this sensual thing. We share it with families. Our seasons are marked by the different foods that we eat. It feels so good to cook a big meal. Um, I often say that food is my love language. And so there are poems by um, everybody in here, um, Seamus Haney, Mary Oliver, my favorite, Adrian Rich, um, Gertrude Stein, Wallace Stevens, even some of Kevin Young's own poems. And as with most poetry and anthologies in particular, I've been just sort of dipping in and out. Um, I haven't read it like cover to ho- cover to cover, but I've discovered some poets that I hadn't previously read. And I had never, like I've read, you know, poetry anthologies about all kinds of things, but it had just never occurred to me that there was enough, you know, good good and meaningful poetry about food, but of course there is, um, to put together a book like this. Um, So I'm adding it to my shelf now of food and cooking books. And I think that probably food poetry, poetry, yeah, food poetry is a, um, is a thing that I'll be reading more about going forward. So that's The Hungry Ear, Poems of Food and Drink, edited by Kevin Young. My last pick is a book that I have not read that I want to read so bad I can taste it. And So many people have told me how amazing this book is. It's gotten amazing reviews. So basically, I'm just going to read you the description of this book because I want it and it sounds so good. It's called The Prince and the Dressmaker. It's by Jen Wang. It's a graphic novel. And like, seriously, speaking of print, I went in there the other day and the girls behind the counter were like, have you read The Prince and the Dressmaker? And I was like, stop rubbing it in. It sounds just so great. 
But it takes place, it says, at Paris at the dawn of the modern age. And the synopsis says, Prince Sebastian is looking for a bride. Or rather, his parents are looking for one for him. Sebastian is too busy hiding his secret life from everyone. At night, he puts on daring dresses and takes Paris by storm as the fabulous Lady Cristalia, the hottest fashion icon in the world capital of fashion. Sebastian's secret weapon and best friend is the brilliant dressmaker Francis, one of only two people who know the truth. Sometimes this boy wears dresses. But Francis's dreams of greatness and being someone's secret weapon means being a secret forever. How long can Francis defer her dreams to protect a friend? Doesn't that sound so good? It does sound good. It has like the best, it has like amazing ratings and, and everyone loves it and I, I just want it. So I want to talk about it some more. <laughs> this is like the first thing I'm going to get tomorrow being Tuesday, like, when I get up, I'm just gonna go get this. Um, and it just sounds like so much fun, and I hope everyone else thinks so, too. So, again, it's called The Prince and the Dressmaker, and it's by Jen Wang. Nice. Uh, my last one this week, I'm gonna do something totally different, because I went way off plan. Um, the one book that I read on my week of travel last week was a book that doesn't come out until June, but I want to give a little preview for it. It's called We Are Gathered by Jamie Wiseman. It comes out on June 5th, um, and it's about a big interfaith wedding in Atlanta, um, which sounded to me like, ooh, a wedding. This is gonna be like seating arrangements by Maggie Shipstead. And in fact, Maggie Shipstead gets name-checked in the publisher's synopsis, but it's actually very different. Don't always believe the publisher. It's still great. Um, what makes this so unique is that the book is not really about the wedding at all. And each chapter is narrated by a different guest at the wedding. Um, so it's like these people are all in the same room basically because they were invited to this wedding, but what's happening up at the front of the room with two humans getting married matters, like not so much for the story. Uh, the first chapter is narrated by the bride's best friend, but it's mostly about her own life and this birthmark that she has on her face that has affected how she feels about herself and about beauty. Um, there's a chapter narrated by the bride's like, not official uncle, like not biological uncle, but he's an uncle in her life um, and about watching her grow up, but really about his own experiences going to war and coming back. Um, there's an old uh, an old lady who's a friend of the family who's at the wedding and she's reflecting on surviving the Holocaust. Um, so it, And it gets like kind of heavy and dark. Um, the characters sort of lead one into each other. Um, so the chapters do flow, but it really feels like it could accurately be described as a set of linked short stories. Like the wedding and the couple and how they met and the whole, like the full story of that is not the story of the book at all. It's about the individual people that are there as the guests and them pondering their own lives in the context of this one big event. Um, it was so creatively put together because I was expecting Maggie Shipstead. It was a real surprise um, that it got so serious and so thoughtful in a way that I found really compelling. So I'll be talking about it more in June, but if you are looking for something to look forward to this summer, that is We Are Gathered by Jamie Weissman. Well, all right then. So, yeah, I mean, this is our show. We can make up the rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, those are new books, books coming soon, old books about food that we're talking about anyway. What are you going to read next? Well, I'm presently in the middle of a Game of Thrones reread. Um, I was, I have started watching the show with my boyfriend and we're like in season six now. So we've passed the point of like where the books are and I was like, I should reread them and you know, just for when Winds of Winter comes out, but haha, it's not coming out. Um, so (laughs) I was like, I'll do a chapter a day and then realized there's like 73 chapters in 
just the first book alone, so I've been doing four chapters a day, and I have to say, it's really good. It was really good when I read it, and it's still really good. So if you've ever want, wanted to read Game of Thrones, they're really good. Like, they are. They're worth it. Um, but then I'm going, like, after I finish my four chapters today, I'm going to read this book um, because I feel seen. It's called Okay, Fine, Whatever, The Year I Went From Being Afraid of Everything to Only Being Afraid of Most Things by <laughs> Courtney Hammeister. And it says, the story of one chronically anxious woman's hilarious yearish long quest to become braver by seeking out the kinds of experiences she spent her life avoiding. And there's a little thing here that says, other titles coordinate considered. Frady Cat, The Year I Gave My Comfort Zone the Finger. <laughs> she Who Hesitates, How to Take Life by the Horns, But Only If Life Has Been Dehorned, Because Otherwise That Would Be Dangerous. <laughs> and the only thing we have to fear is, well, actually, there are a lot of things to fear. A semi-triumphant memoir. <laughs> yeah. And there's like, there's like a table of contents, like an hour with a professional cuddler, wherein I learned not to hate affirmations as much. And getting legally high, in which I learned that some people just shouldn't smoke pot. <laughs> just sounds so funny. I can't wait. That does sound funny. What are you going to um, read? This one's going to make you cringe. Oh, no. <laughs> the Wonder Down Under, The Insider's Guide to the Anatomy, Biology, and Reality of the Vagina by oh. um, Ellen Stoken Dahl and Nina Brockman. And it has an amazing cover. I have that. Um, it great. is a comprehensive guide to the miraculous and complex part of the body that too few of us are all that familiar with. It's supposed to be funny and full of science um, and will take readers on a fascinating journey um, exploring female sexuality. So there's uh, more than it says more than a user's manual. <laughs> there's another one coming out around the same time called ask me about my uterus. Oh, okay. Which is, sounds hilarious as well. Or, and informative. <laughs> I just, I love the titles. Like they're so good. I know they're getting very cheeky with these and I appreciate it. Yes. All right. Well, those are both very, uh, in our respective wheelhouse books up next. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again to our sponsors this week, Libby. You can go to meet, that's M-E-E-T dot Libby app dot com to check out Libby or download it on your iPhone or Android device. It's also compatible with Kindle. And if you're following along the 2018 Read Harder Challenge this year at Book Riot, Libby is sponsoring the challenge. So you have lots of opportunities to check them out. Thanks also to Third Love. Go to thirdlove.com slash books to get 15% off a bra. You could buy a couple of them and make your own sports bra. Who That's knows? Right. Go, go wild. Um, if you have something to say to us, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or hit us up on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you've got a minute to rate or review the show on Apple Podcasts, we would certainly appreciate it. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today and overshare some more, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes of bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.